Welcome to the Survival Prepper Show, where being labeled a crazy prepper is a badge of honor. Learn about disaster preparedness, survival, and get ready for whatever challenges might come your way. This is not your typical prepping podcast, and they won't be silenced by the censors. Here are your hosts, Duff and Dale. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, tonight, we've got Daisy on with us. I think this is like the third time. So, Daisy, I think you're just like the, the periodic co-host of the Survival Preppers. <laughs> you guys rock. Yeah. Uh, you and Lisa, yeah, just come on every once in a while and talk about some stuff. Uh, very cool to have you on, though. Tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about nuclear survival, which is uh, pretty interesting because I've been kind of geeking out on that the last week or so uh, because there's just there's so much to it. And it's, it's I, I don't know, it's just really, it, it it's simple, but it's confusing at the same time. Um, you're doing something right now as far as uh, the, the nuclear survival stuff too. I suppose I'll let you uh, explain that and then we'll get into all this stuff. We'll just ignore Brian for a little bit and then, uh, you know. <laughs> he won't mind. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we are having a webinar next, sun, or next Saturday night at 7 o'clock and it's with my buddy Chuck Hudson. Um, Chuck is a retired Sergeant first class in the army. He was an army ranger. He's an NBC guy back when it was NBC instead of CBRN. And, uh, he knows a lot about the topic and I was talking to him and picking his brain and he knows just, he is a wealth of information. So I was like, will you come on the air with me and, um, do a show and answer some questions for people? Um, you know, I think it's so much better to get that from an expert than from someone like me. I'm just rehashing the things I look up. I mean, you know, maybe I know a little bit about it, but it's mostly just because I've studied it. He's actually, he actually went um, to, it's St. Petersburg now, but it was Leningrad then, and he monitored the plume from Chernobyl. So he was over there for, I think, almost a year monitoring that radiation plume as it made its way over to Sweden or Finland. And uh, so, yeah, he is definitely the guy with the answers. Yeah. And it's it is one of those. I mean, it's it's I mean, it's one of those things we have sort of misconceptions about. But it's it's also kind of like water. I think of it like water filters and stuff. You can't see any of it. So it's just um, it's. It's, it's tough. And I think recently, the reason I've been kind of digging into this more and more is because it it seems like we are uh, kind of, it, it's more likely, I suppose. And I don't, I hesitate to say that, but it is more likely. Uh, I don't know. I always figure when they start talking about something like, oh, it could happen, it means it's like on the way. It's like in the air. But, yeah. you, you know, like uh, they don't just talk about stuff like this, the government generally, um, unless they're trying to scare us into lockdown, but right now they're not. Um, but there've just been so many mentions lately that it makes me feel like we should be prepared and we should understand this. And really one of the things that I want to express that like a lot of people say, oh, if a nuke hits, I hope I just die. Well, you're probably not going to just die. If you're not at ground zero, you're not going to die. And you're going to wish you died if you didn't take the steps to protect yourself from the fallout. Um, yeah. But it's long and slow and painful and horrible and could go on for years, like your symptoms. So, you know, I hope I die is not a plan. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I just, I recently just did a video too, and I was talking about that, how you hear a lot of people say it because of these kind of misconceptions we have about what it would be like. Because we think about Nagasaki, Hiroshima, um, and, and think, you know, these ground bursts that are just going to destroy everything. We're going to live in this nuclear wasteland. But if you're not like real close to that epicenter, that where that fireball and the burst is, you're probably going to survive and it's going to suck for a few days while you do. <laughs> it also depends on how many missiles, like if it's one or two, most of the country is going to be fine if they just shelter a little bit, but yeah. you know, like we, we just don't know what's going to happen. So it's better to be prepared for the worst case scenario. Um, I mean, ground zero, there is nothing you can do. There is no prep for that. None. Um, but if you're outside of that area, you're probably not going to die from the blast and you're probably not going to die at least not immediately from the fallout. So you're going to want to take steps. Yeah. And, and that's what preparedness is all about is granted, like I said, I don't want to necessarily say that this is something that's on the horizon. It's likely, but it is one of those things, learn about it, figure out what your options are and then, you know, go from there and at least have that knowledge and some of the stuff. It's not it's not like you need a whole whole bunch of specialized stuff to survive fallout and all that. You just need to have that plan in place when when and if that does happen, that you're gonna be better off than, you know, the Yahoos that are, you know, sitting on their roof thinking, here we go. And then they watch this bomb drop from twenty miles away and then they're still alive and they're like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that that'll be pretty ugly. So, you know, it, it, you got to have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Brian? We've been kind of jabbering and you just kind of sitting there. <laughs> oh, you're muted. Huh? We were thinking Daisy was going to be muted and Brian's muted. Right. See that? I can't pull it off, man. I can't, I didn't make it two weeks in a row. <laughs> so, you know, I think when you like what Daisy's saying is if you think about it happening, there was the guy that was at both bomb cities in japan when they were bombed right he gets bombed the first time with the nuke he's like all right well my house is gone so he gets up and he marches his ass on over gets to the next city that gets nuked so like he survived it twice so you can't you can survive and obviously like things were devastated around him um and i think it's in the, this day and age with the level of computer hacking the level of political unrest, the level of, you know, real bad guys to get a hold of nukes. It's, it's always a possibility. So you should know about it. You know, I think the current thing, I think they're trying to, I don't know, maybe we got, the, maybe there's an election coming up and they're trying to ramp up fear or something. I don't know what they have going on, but I think it's, you know, I, I think it's mostly unlikely that Putin's going to nuke anything. Um, all he has to do is wait. And then the Russian winner when defends him and wins again, because when the winter hits in Germany and all these other countries where they're, they're having huge energy prices problems and the cost of energy is going up, they're going to buckle this winter if possibly if they, if they don't figure out their whole heating thing. So I think, I think Putin just needs to just delay, wait for winter to set in. Cause it's going to, it's going to slow up. Winter's going to slow the Ukrainians up. It's going to slow down the war and, and we'll see what happened. But, you know what? There's a bunch of crazy people in the world. So it always is a possibility. Well, yeah. also, I keep thinking about all of that nuclear material that keeps disappearing in the United States. Was that what, five years ago? The like some trucks carrying nuclear material just 
vanished and we never found them. Like, what's up with that? Like, how are we not keeping better track of that stuff? And is that maybe something to worry about? Maybe it's not an external thing that we have to worry about as much as an internal thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you've got on top of that, too, it's a, a, a good point. I mean, we just don't know until all of a sudden it happens, right? Kind of like 9-11, kind of, uh, you know, all of these things that just just happen. Uh, and then we hear about them. But you've also got the nuclear power plants that are around. I don't know uh, enough about, you know, what military targets, what they would target. I don't know that they would target military or uh, nuclear power plants. Uh, I think that would <laughs> that would be beyond uh, the the scale right there beyond the pale right there but it's possible or the electrical grid going down you you hear about this one in ukraine all the time because of the it's not getting the power it needs and you start you getting into that meltdown factor so there's a lot of a lot of different things to think about when it comes to uh, all this protecting yourself from radiation and and all of that stuff um in this in this uh uh, is it, I suppose it's a webinar. It's it's uh, that you're doing on the 22nd. You're going to go through some of the I think the basic stuff we just need to understand about this, right? The radiation facts, the, how you can protect yourself. Uh, not necessarily going doing the deep dive, geeking out into all the different molecules and all that stuff, and what types of radiation. <laughs> he's he's going to give us enough information so we know what we're protecting ourselves from. And then he's going to give us some very solid information about steps to take. And one of the steps is decontamination, which is really important. Even if you happen to be caught outside when such a thing occurs, you can still get to shelter. You can still decontaminate and hopefully be okay. I mean, it's, it's not a guarantee, but if you don't decontaminate, you're really pooched. So yeah. Yeah. He's gonna give us that kind of information too. Yeah. Hey, a uh, lot of people in the chat tonight, I'm going to try, I don't know if I'm going to be able to or not, so I'm not going to make any guarantees, but if you have any questions, comments, stuff like that, um, we'll try to get to those as well. Uh, but very cool to see a lot of people in there. People. Yeah. Um, I was reading a, an article the other day, and like I said, I just did a video on this, and it, it was talking about, uh, basically it was saying that nuclear war isn't as bad as we all think it would be. Now, granted, you're talking about nuclear war, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I agree with that just off the top of my head. <laughs> well, hey, where, where, where'd you see this article at? Well, and they prefaced the whole article by saying, hey, we're still talking about nuclear war here, so it's going to suck. It's not like, you know, sunshine and roses or anything like that. War. But we have this conception that there's going to be a bunch of ground strikes and, you know, radiation all over the place and fallout and it's just going to be devastation. And that's not the case, kind of like we talked about in the beginning. Uh, but another thing I thought was interesting, Brian kind of alluded this to the other, alluded to this the other day, was that a lot of the, especially the cities, are going to be airbursts. Uh, which isn't going to create uh, that fallout because they'd be high enough that that fireball wouldn't hit uh, the buildings and stuff like that to create that radiation. But you've got the EMP factor with that as well. So uh, it is just a yeah, kind of a holy crap type situation if it were to happen. What are you giggling yeah, about there, Brian? Anybody that tries to come up with some cockamania article to say how that nuclear war won't be like this bad thing. I mean, no, not as bad as we make it out to be is what it's saying. Not, it won't be bad. 
Yeah, I bet he I bet he's one of the guys who said the pandemic wasn't as, as bad as you know, that was that was out there saying, Oh, the lockdowns aren't that bad. Come on. Right. And everybody's losing their business and they're, you know, all the other stuff. Come on. No, you can't put not that. No, you can't put not that bad in nuclear and nuclear war in the no, same sentence. Not as bad as people think. Not as bad. Whatever. It's well, it's survivable. Kind of like what Le- or, uh, Lisa Daisy was talking about earlier. It is survivable. It, yeah, it is I, a I, situation and it, it doesn't mean certain death. So no, I um, think it, it totally is survivable if it depending on what happens. But I just be careful when I see the main when, when I see the, the media narrative coming out that, yeah, you know, that, you that always that always has me like, OK, why are they spinning this narrative now? You know, trying to sell us that, you know, sell us on something like, you know, that that vaccine is is, is good for yeah. you or whatever. Did y'all see that video in New York City, that nuclear preparedness video you yeah. just in the middle of the room and you'll be fine? Yeah. And, and yeah, I don't want to make it sound like I was going to that extent because I watched that and that is propaganda at its best. I mean, Hey, it's, it's all cool. At the end of the video, I think she said, you got this. It's okay. No, I don't mean to make it sound like that. <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was funny. I remember back, you know, in the seventies and stuff when we used to still do the nuclear, you know, bomb drills in school. And it was like, get down, cover your neck and heads, get under your desk. And that was for earth. It was the same kind of drill for earthquakes. I remember as a kid thinking like what they've told us, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how's this going to stop, save me here? Really? So no drills where you stuck your head in a locker. So it'll, it'll like, you know, break the rest of your body, but your head's going to be just fine. So they had a bunch of little kids with their out in the hallways with their head in the locker. locker. Yeah. Actually, when I was in um, ninth grade, a tornado hit our school. It was pretty scary. Huh. I mean, like nobody got really hurt or anything. It was just like some flying glass. So like there were like some cuts and bruises, but, you know, they opened like the, the doors in the hallway. It was super, super loud. Like it was just that was the thing that sticks with me the most is how loud it was. You could hear kids like crying and praying and just freaking out in general and then it hit and it was just so loud you couldn't hear anything but this mm. roaring like a train and the the stick in their heads in you said that was for the, the tornado drill our lockers yeah maybe that's why so you all had your head in the lockers when the tornado was going through yeah so you couldn't see the bottom half of your torso being ripped off is that the whole point <laughs> Didn't see that at all. Yeah. I guess it's what, meant to protect your head from flying glass and debris, right? I, I guess what else, what are you seeing to do, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, my locker's on the bottom. So at least this kid above me is going to take the brunt of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, because he kind of has to cover you a little bit to get to his locker. So, yeah. Not. You, know, you know, they obviously didn't have cell phones with cameras on back then. Otherwise, yeah. those pictures would still be going around today. That would be an awesome picture. Be a bunch of kids with their head, head stuffed in lockers. And like, <laughs> I think the teachers all got together and, and said, hey, man, let's do this. <laughs> let's see if we can get these little suckers to do this. <laughs> um, at any rate, we'll get off tornadoes now. There are uh, a couple people in the chat talking about bunkers, too. Uh, and then, you know, that yeah. kind of reminds me of the whole duck and cover thing, which was, uh, uh, again, propaganda. 
because uh, what is that really going to do for you uh, other than the debris aspect of it, the, you know, flying objects and windows broken. But, uh, but they're talking about the whole bunker aspect of it as well. I'm sure you guys are probably going to talk about the things you can do. Brian and I even talked about it a little bit the other day about me in a basement. He's in an RV um, at this point. So he's, <laughs> he's so, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm yeah. dead. But there are things you can do in your house that go beyond like that stupid New York video PSA, which is just get in your, stay away from the windows, get in your apartment. There are things you can do. You've got the ventilation aspect. You've got the, your storage aspect too, because you're going to want to put yourself down there. It's not going to be like months, like you see in some of these, te- these movies, but it is going to be a few days, maybe a week, week or two. I mean, depending on the severity and all that. Uh, I'm not sure where you are right now either. What kind of uh, precautions have you taken? Uh, you're all over the place too, so maybe you just you get, get you'll go to some third world country that won't get nuked. <laughs> exactly, I should. Um, I'm in North Carolina, and um, I live in an apartment right now, and I have like one big room that's got like lots and lots of windows and French doors and all that. So I'm not going to be in that room because that's just a terrible idea. I do have sandbags that I could like stuff along the bottoms of my windows. Um, I've got duct tape for sealing up various vents, but I've also got my bedroom doesn't have any windows, which lots of people think it's weird, but it's this wonderful, cozy, dark cave. So I really like it, but it's also really good for this kind of situation. Cause I'll just grab the dog and we can go in there. And then I've got, you know, on the other side, I've got, you know, the, the hallway and another apartment before it gets to any outside air. So, I mean, I would plan to spend most of my time in there. And, you know, the, there's a bathroom off the bedroom, assuming all that stuff is working. And I've got plenty of supplies. So it's, you know, it's not a bunker. It's not ideal. I'm not underground or anything like that. But I get to make the best of it. I'm certainly not going to just be like, well, I'm in an apartment, so I'm going to die. Yeah. And I think that the biggest thing with as far as having a bunker, something that's secured, is the amount of material between you. And I think the initial or the biggest concern is like, and there's so much to this. So, you know, I have to watch your your guys' show. But um, I think it's the initial, the gamma, the alpha, the, the radiation bursts, the stuff that can penetrate through uh, a certain amount of ground or certain materials and stuff, right? Right. It's my understanding that the safety is all about mass, how much you can put between yourself and the outside where the radiation is. Um, I don't know what Chuck is going to suggest, really, because um, we were talking about it, then we decided to do this, and I'm going to learn just with everybody else. But I know that a lot of people talk about, you know, blocking your your windows with furniture and like putting as much stuff on your exterior walls as possible if such a thing were to happen. And you also have to remember that if if something hit, let's just say Washington, DC, um, if something were to hit Washington, DC, if you don't live like in Arlington, Virginia, or you know, right there beside DC, you're gonna have 
minutes to hours before all of that stuff gets to you. So you're going to have a little bit of time. It's not like, oh my God, it hit. I've got two seconds to get in my safe room. So you're going to have maybe 20 minutes, maybe two hours. You can monitor the news and you can see how long you have to make some preparations and pile that furniture up against your exterior walls if that is what you've deemed to be your your plan of action. So it's not, I mean, we probably we won't have any advance warning before it happens, but when it does happen, we'll probably have some time to put some preparations in place. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious on that whole if it dropped on Washington DC thing. Who how many people would be really broken up right now? <laughs> that's you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll tell you what, if they do come make their way over here, the nukes, I guarantee you 100% that is a target. <laughs> oh, yeah. No I mean, you, you, can, you can go on. Of course it is. You can go on. Actually, maybe the best thing they do would be like take out the rest of the country and leave leave Joe in charge. Like that, that might be the best way to doom us. You don't even need to drop a nuke on the city. Like you just say hey, Joe's in charge. That, that's even worse. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Good grief. Well, and I and that's that's one of those things too. There's a difference between the ground burst and the air burst. Over cities, it's going to be that air burst, so it's not going it, to. You're still going to have those that the, the radiation, the you know the first the fireball and then the pressure wave and all those things mm-hmm. that you have to worry about. But a ground burst is going to affect a, a smaller area than an air burst. So if you are in that city, uh, and I think it's it's really small too, like five ten miles. Uh, within the radius of that bomb, you're not going to be affected by that one, the fireball, and then the, the pressure wave. And then outside of that, you've got the light uh, that, you know, you're not supposed to look at the nuclear bomb, the the uh, Lot's wife type thing, turn into a pillar of salt. Shut your eyes, you'll be fine. Yeah. But I had also heard that, uh, and I don't know where I heard this, and I don't know how true it is, but that we'd have about 30 minutes warning if Russia decided to launch something. I don't know that if there was some sort of submarine off the coast that if you lived no, in New no, York no, or DC, it, you'd have thirty no, minutes. It, it, it's it's twenty or it's twenty or thirty minutes from Russia for for launches out of Russia. It's like I mean, if they launch out of a sub, that that gets really quick. The thing to remember too is like you can go to that nuke map. And remember when you look at it, they use a, I, my understanding is a lot of the the munitions these days are a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Because they want it's a lot more precise. They want to take out the target, and you know that area. But it, it's it, it's a lot more precise and a lot smaller munitions. So the downside of that is like okay, it, or the upside is you have a good chance of survival, like we were talking about. The downside is it's not like they're just taking out like a bunch of farmland. They're taking out like a communications hub, you know, like Denver. Um, that not only has communications like like for you, Dale, like you'd probably all your power is going to go out. The, the whole region is going to be in complete chaos. So even though why maybe it doesn't end up in being a total like nationwide or international meltdown, like you're still going to be in a world of hurt for a long time, like where you're at. I mean, you're close enough to Denver, even if you're you're not downwind when it happens. Like I think the second and third order effects of what life's going to be like that for you afterwards is going to be kind of like you're in an SHTF event. Yeah. Also infrastructure issues and um, transportation issues, and nobody's going to be able to get in there and, 
and help. So, you know, as preppers know, we're always on our own when things like this happen, or at least we have to plan to be. But if if you are anywhere near ground zero, it's going to be a while until things settle down and it's safe for rescue workers and first responders to come in and offer any kind of medical assistance or, you know, food or water or anything like that. So you got to be prepared for a period of time without any kind of help without any kind of um, going to the store or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and your webinar is going to go into like all the stuff we're talking about today, surviving that initial uh, thing, but you both bring up good points that that is, that is step one uh, of this whole process, because what, what happens after that? You've you've survived that. What what ha- what has happened to the country in general as far as the the critical infrastructure? What's going on? What are the next steps? Because it's not like if it gets to that level that everything everybody's just going to be like, okay, enough, we quit. Uh, let's all shake hands and get along. Things are still going to be going on. So uh, it's all of those things that, yes, you, I mean, it's something that is survivable, something that you should um, work on doing, but also be ready for, like Brian was saying, that complete SHTF type situation, because that's when we finally get to learn what an EMP well, would actually affect. Well, <laughs> the other side of that, too, is if they do, if it were to hit cities, you don't have to hit all the every city. Right. You can hit select cities in there and it just wrecks it. If you hit Denver and Colorado Springs and Washington, D.C. and, you know, Vegas and like certain key areas around, it's going to wreck the entire nation. Who's going to step up and take charge? How's the majority of the nation going to like, you know, going to know what's going on? Right. So there's so many. I think that's where I kind of look at with prepping that there's three types of people who prepare. There's those who don't prepare. Right. There's those who use the most effective means, and that's risk management, analyzing your risks down as close as finite as you can get them. And then there, there are those who prepare for time, and that's what most people do. They prepare for time, right? So what are you, you talking about? Like the average person will live for three days. We know that just by not, if you don't get a drink of water, theoretically, you're going to live for, you're going to like, you know, at the survival rule of threes, you're going to start tapering off after three days. So then you move into that next phase, right? That's, you don't need any preparedness to do that. Then the next phase you're looking at, it's probably about from three days to about a week, right? That's like your next level. Then you're looking for like a week to three weeks or so, maybe a month. And then you get to that SHTF level, which is like, I I think it's like a month to three months. Like, are you, so when you prepare for that, how are you preparing? It's what we all kind of, what most of us did when we started preparing, probably just about everybody, because you don't know how to manage risk when you first start prepping. You go to the store and you buy a bunch of canned food and a bunch of other stuff. And you say, all right, I got 10 days worth of food. Okay, well, where does that get you? That gets you like into the kind of like that level three. You're in for like a three week to, you know, like a Hurricane Katrina kind of event. Right. But when you're talking about nuclear stuff, you're moving into that three months and beyond range where you're like, SHTF and doomsday kind of scenarios. I mean, if you get beyond three months without um, any relief coming in, without any support coming in, that's pretty much a doomsday for wherever you're at. It is. It is. And desperate people do desperate things. And we're going to have a lot of desperate people in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. You, every, the people that do survive 
this type of thing. There are still going to be the people that are going to be affected by this afterwards because they haven't done enough research on it and know what the different isotopes and all that. Uh, and it there, you know, then you're going to have the long-term effects of, because some of these last, while the radiation and all that, most of it goes away fairly quickly. Uh, it's got a really fast decay rate. A lot of these stick around like Chernobyl stick around for decades and they, they do that long-term damage. But you think about those couple of months afterwards, there's going to be, it's just, I mean, who knows? There's so many different variables to this that who knows how that happens. But people are going to be, their, their, their daily lives are going to be completely different than they are now. They're not going to be able to do the same things that they were. There's, they're, they're going to be looking for handouts. They're, I mean, it's just, it, it's going to be crazy. You, when you turn on your water faucet, it's probably not going to work. Uh, when you, you know, turn on your light switch, probably not going to work. Uh, well, and what are some of these people going to do? They're going to go out and figure out how they can solve that problem, uh, regardless of how they have to do it. So it's, yeah, the, the surviving it is almost, <laughs> again, I'm going to, I'm going to make this sound like it's a cakewalk, but surviving it is almost the easy part when you think about that, because then you, you've got all the other things uh, beyond that, depending on how bad it is. The government's going to want to maintain control, but what are they, what, what are their capabilities at that point? I mean, you know, there are a lot of things that we can do that are smaller things. Like I dumped out, I, I have a 65 gallon water barrel on my patio and I dumped it out today because that, that sucker is heavy. It's like 500 pounds. I don't know. I'm not going to do the math because, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> but anyway, I dumped all the water out and I brought it in and I started refilling it. And it's now in my bedroom because I'm not going to drink it. If we have a nuke, I'm not going to drink from something that's been sitting on my patio. So I was like, well, I'm better off to have this inside. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a small thing. Actually, it's a fair bit of work filling that sucker back up. But it's it's something that I can do that is going to at least give me a few weeks worth of safe water, no matter what happens. So you know, think about little things like that, things that you can bring inside that might not be in a secure area, um, you know, for your preps. Think about where you could store those in your house just in case something bad happens. I mean, it's all made up of little bitty steps. It's not big, huge things like digging a shelter in your backyard. It's little steps. Make it something that you can do. Make these steps things that you can do and you can check off your list and you can feel like you're accomplishing something. Yeah. Uh, water weighs 8.4 pounds per gallon, just about. So you got like just about 540, give or take uh, pounds. I did. Have, I dumped it all out because I didn't want to try to move that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and you bring up a good point because it, having that stuff that, you know, it, it's stored properly and you know it's going to be safe, then you don't have to go outside and try to figure out, you know, even if it's just for that that few days, few weeks or whatever, because it really is um, hard to store that much water to last more longer than a month. That's a whole lot of water. So, but if you have that stuff, like, like we have our basement, a lot of people don't have basements, but if you have something like that and you can protect that stuff, you got canned foods, you've got uh, MREs or whatever you have, those foods that, those things that, that in the event you do have to hunker down for a few days, that stuff's there. You know, it's safe. Uh, as much as I hate water bottles, water bottles would be good for something like that. 
Uh, I think that's a waste of space, but <laughs> get some water yeah. bricks or something. Well, and think about it too. When, if you get a bunch of nuclear fallout somewhere, well, when it rains and stuff, where's all that going? Right. It was uh, Tulsi Gabbard on the Rogan show there today. And, and I've been telling, I know I told you too, but if, if you haven't seen the interview with between uh, Tulsi and Joe Rogan, you should probably watch it. It's a really good show. Anyhow, um, she talked about going to Chernobyl and that, and she's like, you know, we're there. When did that happen? 80 something was Chernobyl. Yeah. Late, late eighties, I think. And, and she's like, and she went there not too many years ago. And she's like, they tell you like, don't, if you see an apple, like you're going to see apples and fruit growing, don't pick anything. Don't eat it. Like they said, all the fruit still has, is just full of radiation, I guess, from the water and pulling it up out of the ground. However, it, I, you know, I'm, I'm making that up. I think that's where it comes from. Like, I don't know anything about radiation, but at the same time, they're like, you know, there's still all kinds of, so that's, you know, 40 some years later, give or take, and they still can't do it. So what is that like? What does that do here in the States? Yeah. I, I, I wonder, and I don't know what the answer to this is, but I wonder about our aquifer too. I know it's pretty deep. It's, it's almost 200 feet and that's a lot of ground for that stuff to get through, to get into the aquifer. But I mean, I just don't know. I don't know where, you know, where there's other entry points and stuff like that, where those contaminants could get in there. But uh, it, it's, or maybe there's nothing to be concerned about at all because it's so far down that it's nothing to worry about. But I just don't know. It's that outside stuff that you, you have to worry about that because you can't see any of this crap, <laughs> just like in the water. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a really scary concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I kind of know Brian's thoughts on this, but you can elaborate if you want. But since we're talking about all this stuff and we, we talked about in the beginning how I'm kind of on the fence with it, is it likely? Is it not likely? I mean, what, you know, it's just so confusing at this point because it wouldn't surprise me one bit if it did happen and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if it didn't. So what are your thoughts on like the likelihood and how concerned are you and all that stuff? Well, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I have no idea, really. Um Really bad things generally have like a statistical one to two percent chance of happening. Maybe this is like up to five percent now. I, I don't think it's like a ninety percent chance that this is going to happen. I don't think it's just like oh we're we're done for. It's happening next week. You know, it's not like Christmas or something. It doesn't come every year. Um, we can't predict it to that extent. Like it's impossible to predict because there are so many players. I mean, we've got North Korea launching things over Japan. We've uh, managed to tick off Russia. I mean, we've made so many people mad. There's the whole Nord Stream thing. I just, I have no idea. And then it's a heck of a great distraction too. So yeah. you can't rule out people in power in the United States. You just can't rule that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I read something the other day from some government official or government agency. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> but they were talking about how the, 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 the likelihood that Russia would use a nuke on Ukraine was 5% or 0.5% at the beginning of the war. And now it's up to 25%. Uh, and that's on Ukraine. So, you know, you that would probably go way down when you think about a global type situation. So the odds are pretty slim. But like, you know, like, like Joe Biden said the other day, um, this is the closest we've been since 1962. Well, 
and it's usually the stuff that he he says that you can actually understand or that's off script that they kind of backtrack a day later. That's the stuff you ought to pay attention to. <laughs> so if, if the odds are that it's 25% that Russia will use a nuke. On Ukraine. On Ukraine. What are the odds that, how, how much does it increase the odds if you were to add the chances that the U.S. creates a false flag in Ukraine? Because, I mean, imagine the, the crazy authoritarian power grab they can have. Because uh, this pod, this, this, our podcast and these shows would be, oh, you're, you know, you're against the war effort and blah, 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 all that stuff, right? So what would the percentage chance be if you added the possibility of the U.S. doing it to that 25%? Yeah. I wouldn't anything past like certain people and government and positions of power. Absolutely. After what we've seen the past five years, would you really put anything past them? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, especially when you look into the history, I mean, I'm not, again, we, Dale and I talk about this all the time is I think Putin's an evil person. Putin's always been an evil person. Like he he's used wep like on very micro surgical scales, weapons of mass destruction to have people assassinated. Right. Like Putin, Putin is not a good person. And at the same time, it wasn't like we didn't have a hand in the coup. It's, it wasn't like we, the United States government hasn't been having a whole bunch of stuff happening around Ukraine for long before this invasion happened. Like, I mean, they tried to impeach one of the ways they were going to impeach Trump was over Ukraine. It's not like Ukraine just showed up. It, it's, it's been here. Right. So I don't know, man, I, I, I who knows what's going to happen. Cause you, you can't believe what you hear from one side. You can't believe what you hear from the other side. And then, you know, you're looking at, did Russia blow up their own pipeline? Really? So who blew it up kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you're talking about Putin is a bad person. Is Biden really? Oh yeah. He's not. Yeah, no, we, we no, he's not a good person at all. He wasn't yeah. a good person when he made the 1994 crime bill. He wasn't a good person when he, you know, he, he, uh, hung out with his, his fellow Klansmen. He, I mean, he wasn't a good person when he went against, uh, you know, school integration. Yeah, no, he's never been a good person. Right. So no, we got a bunch of lunatics running the asylum right now really do like our government is not any better than like these other governments that we're seeing it's just maybe they hide it a teeny tiny bit better i don't know well i think it goes a lot deeper than just ours too because if like you were saying that false flag type type situation if it went into the best interests of the eu the un the united states i mean all these people to basically if that was the thing that gave them the go-ahead to just get rid of him um, I, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they use something like they've done throughout history. Uh, I mean, we've done conspiracy theory shows, me and Brian, about what the United States government has actually done to its people. So it's not like this is out of the realm of possibilities for them to do something to enable them to take one more step and just get rid of him altogether. Uh, and again, not being a Putin apologist, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they use that uh to their benefit if if they're almost like behind the scenes and this is all conspiracy theory youtube don't shut us down if they're behind the scenes crossing their fingers that he does do something like that wouldn't surprise me one bit even Zelensky. Well, well think think about it this way like if you look at what we've done in recent times right 
if we all if we all get on if we're all on board and i think most people are on board with the fact that like i like to rail about on here that the that the war in iraq was an illegal war that the government of the u.s conducted an illegal war and sent troops to that war the five thousand and change u.s troops that died in iraq like in violence they were basically murdered by our own government because the gut you're not they, they shouldn't have been at war it's they never declared war right it's all it's the same old song and dance let's just go i mean think about the 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 dream that the that ukraine is ukraine is afghanistan minus us having any troop presence but i'll tell you this after working for uh with diplomatic security and stuff right doing the high threat security the worldwide protective services program they're already setting that up there for the state department they're already putting money how big's the embassy going to be how much security we're going to have to put into it I mean, Baghdad was $2 billion over five years in just just guard force security for the embassy there. Yeah. Hey, Brandon was saying in the chat, Daisy, you said, if you can pick up that coffee cup, you can pick up that water. <laughs> That's a giant water or a giant coffee cup. Coffee cup, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I, all of this stuff is concerning. And I think the, the nuclear aspect of it, is just one part of it. And then, you know, like these days, and I don't know, we can we can go wherever you guys want to with this now, but um, the the nuclear aspect is just one part of it. You've got the economics that are a huge uh, factor in all this. And I don't know that I think a depression would would I mean it would it would massively suck, but it wouldn't be SHTF to the level a nuclear strike or a nuclear uh, exchange would be. Well, would would a new would would a nuclear exchange with the effect that it would have on the world and everything like the second and third order effects of that would that lead to a depression? I mean, you know, well, we're already in a global, recession, global chaos. I I think that would lead to governments having to just re figure out what they're doing. Uh, wow, wow, that would be that'd be terrible for all these governments just to redo everything that they just yeah. don't like. Restructure huh. that was the word. Oh, let's yeah. go back to the what the false what? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, and, what's out, Daisy? Let's have another reset because yeah. this one's huh. so well. It'd be almost like a great reset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be a good word for it too. Oh, hey, yeah. I wonder if we could patent that. But, <laughs> but yeah, you you think about something like that, and it would it would be the perfect excuse. Again, this kind of goes to the whole false flag thing and and escalation and all that. It would be the perfect excuse. Uh, if there are, quote unquote, if there are people behind the scenes that have these plans of restructuring uh, how the global economy works and governments and all that, that would be the perfect way to basically just wipe everything off the table, start over from scratch and, you know, and we're doing this for your own good. Oh, yeah. What, what, what a better what better way to get the digital than to get the digital dollar put into effect. Right. Hey, you know, because the majority of U.S. money is overseas as hundred dollar bills. I mean, Daisy spent a bunch of time overseas. When you go overseas, that everything was like that was the currency of trade was American hundred dollar bills. Like when I when I worked in Africa, you they wouldn't accept any hundred dollar bills that were more than three years old, and there couldn't be a pen mark on it. It's like oh, that has to be counterfeit, right? There is so much counterfeiting going on. Really? So what better what, what better way than to say, hey, there's so many U.S. dollars around the world that in order to protect the the U.S. during this really this time of need. We're having to go to the uh, digital dollar. I mean, they went to ration books during World War II. You're only allowed so much meat. 
right? You're only allowed so much cheese. You had to give your little ration stamps in. Yeah. Here we are again. And it will cause famine, at least in a a set area. Like, we're not going to be able to eat food from an area where there was a nuclear strike for a long, long, long time, decades and decades. It won't happen in our lifetime. So, you know, that's going to be pretty bad. Well, and and think about how just the the like the 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 railroad strike. It's a big deal right now because they deliver this stuff back and forth. Think about all these small things that make such a big impact. Ukraine, one small country making such a big impact on the global food supply. Think about something like that and what that would do for even if it's not that that really long-term stuff, just for a couple years afterwards. It would it would be devastating for a couple years all over the place. For the United States, I mean, especially in Africa and places like that, but it would be devastating uh, for a long time. I, 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 we talk about the die-off all the time. I don't know, uh, and and that ninety percent of people number. I think this is kind of that situation where it would be. So on one side, you're not going to have as many people that need the food, unfortunately. But on the other side, you're not going to be able to grow that stuff for a while, at least. And then in some areas, like you were talking about, uh, could be decades that Chernobyl type stuff. Uh, and the stuff Brian was talking about with the apples and everything. So, uh, And, you know, what makes it worse is we're already depleted. We're already suffering from some food shortages and, you know, the cost of living going up and people not really being able to stock up like we used to. I don't know about the rest of you, but I've dipped into some of my crepes just to mm-hmm. spend money on groceries lately because, I mean, you just can't. I, I spent like $70 and came out with two bags the other day. And the only meat I had was bacon. And it's just like, what? This is insane. So, you know, people are already going to have their stockpiles depleted. Those of us who have stockpiles, you're not going to be able to replenish it by, you know, growing locally. And I mean, it's, it's a, it's like 12 kinds of ugly. Yeah. That is something we do. Lisa and I have have been doing is one day a week, and Brian gave me shit for this a while back. But it's it's having that prepper meal, having that 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 meal that is made from the stuff that we have, because that takes away from what we have to pay uh, at the grocery store. I've also what was your last I, what's that? What was your la- what was your last prepper meal? Uh, like macaroni and cheese or something to that effect. It's a prepper meal, but it's not because like I put, I got to have meat in it. So it's ground beef, but I've also got a freezer that I bought. So I can just, when I go buy meat and there's a deal on it, uh, I'm getting as much as I can uh, at that point, because who knows how much that goes up in the future. Uh, And maybe it stays the same. Maybe it doesn't kind of like gas, keep my, my gas um, overflow. I suppose you can call it my gas storage uh, filled up because who knows what it's going to be in six months from now. It's there's, been staying average, but. There, there, there's talk of $10 gas this winter, possibly, or diesel at least. So, um, hey, we, we talked about earlier in the week, Dale. Remember, we, we talked about how you're going to secure your food source out in the yard? Vaguely, I do. What, what did we talk yeah, about? Yeah, so, so, so Dale, well. I have a feeling I'm getting set up here. <laughs> no, no, we talked about that. And, and this is a perfect time because, you know, we're talking about this whole, like, if society breaks down. Well, you got a few horses, not that Lisa would want to eat your horses, but other people may want to eat your horses. So have you come up with, and in, you know, the Donner party would say, maybe would have said they'd never eat their horses, but they ended up eating their horses. You know I mean? You get hungry enough and 
you know. Yeah, they ended up eating more than so anyhow. But other people may. So have you come up with like a security plan to figure out what what you would do to secure the horses? Yeah, and and we talked about that. I think it you might have just texted me. I don't know if we did it on the show or not. Um, but um I I have and I haven't. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot that that I could do other than post up outside twenty four seven or make the if the kids come home make everybody do horse duty guard duty on the horses uh, or the other option is just to uh, you know solve the problem right away uh, get a lot of salt preservatives <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, dude, you're so in trouble with Lisa. After yeah, this I'm trying to I'm trying to say this because I know she may not be in the chat, but I know she's listening. So I'm trying to say this to where I don't uh, end up sleeping down here in the basement tonight. So <laughs> that ship is probably sailed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what she those horses. I mean, I, I, I give her shit, but I, I think she she loves those horses more than the actual kids. So. Uh, you know, maybe it would be more like the Donner party if it came to something like that. <laughs> just kidding. If the kids are listening, just kidding. We're not going to eat you. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is it is something that you do need to think about, that whole security aspect. When we're talking about the SHTF stuff, you've either got to be gone, uh, have a bug out plan where you're just going to get away from all the stuff, or if you if you are at home, you you probably would need a way to defend that. Even here in an urban area or a, a rural area where I am, uh, that may still be a factor. Maybe not as widespread as an urban area, uh, but that would still be something that I'd have to worry about because you just never know who's around you. And and we're semi-rural. I don't want to make it sound like I'm out in the middle of nowhere. That'd be fantastic, but. Um, we are close enough that it makes me uncomfortable uh, to a lot of people. So that security aspect is a, is a huge part of that. Yeah, I, I think that's important to look at, too. If you're thinking of like nuclear, any sort of society ending or, or society stalling event. Because, you know, three weeks into something, if no one's eating, if there's problems and people are going to be wandering around. You probably have to, like you said, you know, like where you're saying, like, I, I might have to post somebody up. I, I think that would be mandatory. Like you want somebody awake. Like you guys can't go to sleep at night and not leave somebody up. If there's the minute that, you know, you, that three days or week where things start falling apart. Hey, speaking of falling apart, everybody, since a bunch, you know, a bunch of people, more people in the chat. Thanks to Daisy. Make sure if you uh, like what you're hearing there, hit the subscribe button and come check us out on Wednesdays and Sundays. Yeah. Hey, I told you Lisa was listening in. Uh, Denise well, said, you're in the horse house now, Dale. And then Lisa said, and Dale, you'll live in the in the basement, um, as she says, uh, oh. as he says otherwise. So, yeah, yeah. Lisa has trolls in her basement, too. Yeah. I, I get, You know, talking about security, I could see Lisa out there with the shotgun just posting up, and I have to bring her out meals and stuff like that. So, <laughs> um, luckily, though, everyone around here has horses. So, you know. And there's some deer, too. So the deer will last uh, a day or two. I mean, there's probably 50, 60 deer out here, but that oh. won't last very long. Not in, not in this this area. There'll be hunters all over the place. <laughs> and those deers will be gone in a couple of days. And then it'll be the horses, probably the chickens first. And we have some chickens, and uh, I don't know what I would do about them either. I would probably butcher them real quick. I mean, that would be a no-hesitation thing. That's not a pet. <laughs> so... But with chickens, they they do give us eggs, so you know I'm 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 depleting my, my protein. I chickens, 
I probably want to keep them around if I could. Yeah. Although if Bunch they're of chickens outside, in the basement, if they're outside getting irradiated, you're not really going to want those eggs. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Lisa's uh, going to have it nice upstairs when you and the horses and the chickens are all living down in the basement together. <laughs> well, if, if the nukes start flying, right, we got a half an hour. Lisa's going to figure out how to get those horses down here in the basement. So I'm going to be living down here in the basement. We got Lisa. We got some food storage. We got 10 chickens and two horses. It's going to smell pretty bad pretty fast. I'm What I'm going to do is I'm going to start driving straight towards downtown. <laughs> driving towards the blast with your win windows open. Yeah, yeah. Figure out which is closer, downtown Denver or downtown Colorado Springs. And I'm going Cheyenne Mountain. I'm going one of the, one of the two directions. More food for Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as long as she had her horses, she wouldn't mind. <laughs> I, just kidding, Lisa. I know you would. She said in the in the chat, don't worry, everyone, I have a plan. <laughs> so as far as the, I, I've got this right here, and, and we hear about this stuff all the time, potassium iodide, right? Um, as far as the medications and stuff, I think this is only good for the iodine. I can't remember what the numbers are. All these new uh, compounds have different numbers, cesium and iodine and all that. But this is basically good for your thyroid, too. I imagine you guys are going to talk about that, right? Uh, potassium iodine. And um, thyroid cancer takes a really long time to show up. So if you're older than, I believe it's 50, but I can't remember the age. Like, I don't have the paper in front of me. If you're older than approximately 50, you just give it to the younger people because you'll die of old age before your thyroid will mm. die answer. So basically what it is, is it sort of like fills up your thyroid with that so that you don't take the radiation in to your thyroid. So yeah. Of it. I'm not explaining it very well, but. Oh, yeah, I get you. Um, I found this article I wanted to talk about just a little bit uh, since we're on the particles and all of that stuff. It's the fallout particles. And, and again, there's like a, a bunch of different ones. This is only a few, but they talk about the strontium 90, which is that long lived stuff. Uh, since we're talking about the, the stuff that, that can, uh, you know, over time get you tumors, leukemia, blood abnormalities. Uh, the iodine 131 is what I was talking about. It's got a shelf life of 8.1 days. So, like I said, all of this radiation stuff is pretty, it's got a pretty um, quick uh, decay rate, I suppose. But there are some, like that strontium, that have a long decay rate. Uh, and then the uh, cesium-137 is one you hear about all the time in, with as far as preppers. But that's the stuff, um, the cesium and the uh, stro strontium, <laughs> all these different ones, that will have that long-term type effect. I've got all the links to this. I've got the links to Daisy's, uh, her webinar down below as well. So you guys can check all this stuff out, but uh, that's all the stuff. I mean, there's, there's things that are short-term. So this potassium iodine would be good for something like that, but it's not that, that, Hey, all I need to do is take this and I can go out and walk in the, in the fallout and I'm going to be good and everything. It, it does one particular thing. Right. Uh, there's just so many. That's what's so confusing about all this nuke stuff is there's so many different. You almost got to be a, a chemist to understand all the stuff that's going on with it. Yeah. Uh, We're going to try to parse it down to the essential knowledge. Yeah. Because you have to know all of this stuff. Like The stuff that preppers need to know. 
yeah, there's only certain things that you really need to know to survive it. And that's what we're going to work on. Um, I don't know. It's like owning a website. I have certain things that I just get other people to do because I had to learn all of these other things. And, you know, you just parse it down to the essential information. Yeah. And that's what you need to do with situations like this. Otherwise, you're going to get so overwhelmed. Yeah, that's it's it's very true. Uh, there, you don't necessarily need to. I'm I'm kind of guilty of this sometimes because I'll dig so deep into the why, why something has happened, the the whole chemical reaction and all that, and I forget about the whole. Just you know, just do this. Don't worry about all that other crap. Right. Uh, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Um, also, one more thing too. I found this video. I was doing some research on this the other day. Have you heard of or Brian? Have you heard of the the Kearney fallout meter? It's like basically a DIY fallout meter. No. no. Is this is this legit or are you coming up with something? <laughs> like you're, setting up a- you're, you're probably going to talk crap about it, but it is actually legit by a scientist. Here, I've got this video. I'll play just uh, like a minute of this where he goes through what it is. But it's actually more reliable than a, 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 a one of those old school decimeters because those have to be calibrated. This doesn't. But... Mm. It is a, let me just play the video and and then we'll see what you have to say after this. If the unthinkable happens, parts of the United States would be covered with radioactive dust particles. How will you know if it's safe outside? How will you know if your home or shelter is safe? Is there audio? The Kearney fallout meter or KFM will reliably give you this information. It's really quiet it if there developed. is, but I, I guess I won't. Yeah, this dude is he's pretty dry, too. Um, he, he must be like some sort of engineer or something. But this is the Kearney fallout meter, and it's basically a tin can, and it is actually uh, a, a good little piece of equipment that you can make by yourself. Um, I, I am actually going to do a video on this. I know you're hesitant as hell, but it actually works. I've watched a bunch of videos on it, and okay. the way it works is with static electricity. So it's... It's nature that does it. So when that, you charge it up basically, and these two little flaps separate. And anytime radiation is around, those flaps close. So that tells you that there's radiation around. It's not going to give you the exact amount like a dosimeter would or anything like that, but it actually works. Uh, I, watch, I'll do it. I don't know how the hell I test something like that, but <laughs> I'm sure I can, you know, buy a little tiny piece of plutonium or something. <laughs> but anyway, wait a couple of months, you'll have enough. I, I guarantee you, let me see if anybody, um, if anybody in the chat has ever made one or, or it, it's, it's actually made by a verified scientist, not some crazy prepper didn't come up with this, not some, you know, some, some whack job in his nuclear bunker was trying to figure out a way to do it. It's actually a scientist that, that came up with this and it is, there's a, a book out. It's a free PDF. I can't remember what it's called a nuclear survival guide or something like that. They put out in the eighties or nineties uh, that goes through uh, DIY, how you can do an expedient fallout shelter. They talk about this in there. I mean, all of these things are good. Uh, but if, if you've got the means to get a decimeter, make sure it's calibrated and then you're going to get more accurate as far as the readings and all that. Um, Wait, is it is it Crescent Kearney who came up with this device? I believe so. Yeah, it's the Kearney. Yeah, yeah, because his book is is still considered like the best around. That's probably the book I'm talking about, then, right? Yeah, it is, and it's free. You can find it all over the internet. So yeah. just Crescent C R E S S O N Kearney, 
Well, that's good too, because you can find an old coffee can radiation meter anywhere you all over the place too, that, you know, to make your, Hey, if, if, if you don't, and hey, if it works, I'm not going to poo poo on it if it works, but I can't wait to see you figure it out. Dale, it's going to be great. Oh, I'm going to too, because if you don't have a decimeter, something like this. And the cool thing about this too, is that if something happened, the stuff you have laying around your house, you could put something like this together. So if you don't have uh, some sort of radiation detector, uh, or it's not calibrated correctly, this would be that that emergency type option. Kind of like a ferro rod instead of a Bic lighter type situation, right? <laughs> like a divining rod. Well, I'm not going to start a fire with a divining rod. I don't even know if you can. Do those things actually work? Is that legit or is that some wise tale? Like for finding I, water? I don't know. Prob- I, I think they yeah. work almost as good as a Kearney dosimeter. Hey. <laughs> Just, just wait, Brian. Like, like you're, you're talking about the tin can that detects radiation, and then you're, you're shitting on the divining rod. That's basically you're holding two sticks, and and you're, you're trying to find water. Give me a damn as break. opposed to a cho- empty chock full of nuts can. There's, there's science behind this though, and it was created by a scientist who created the oh, divining yeah. rod. Some yeah, aborigine or some our side, our side has culture? been so, our, our side has been so behind what scientists have been telling us for the last few years. I'm glad scientists are cool again. I'll tell you what, if 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 I need to dig another well, and some dude comes out with his divining rod to find out where he's going to dig the well, I'm making him leave. That's all I'm saying. Well, you're gonna be awful happy if he finds the water, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. Hey, I, I went to know. Alibaba just so you know. I went I went to the, the Chinese manufacturing website and put in Kearney dosimeter, and not even China makes a Kearney dosimeter. It's because it's a DIY homemade thing. It's not like something they put in production. Oh, yeah, because China, China doesn't make anything that's garbage. <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even going down this route. Anybody listening to this, check it out and you decide for yourself. Do not listen to Brian Duff. It is uh, a viable I'm not option. Saying if you have no other options, go with chock full of nuts. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. But that's what that's what prepping is all about is the ability to make do and make things like figure things out on the fly if things go really sideways, or if you don't have the budget to go get, you know some elaborate piece of equipment. I don't have the budget for that. So heck, I'd try to make one. Yeah. yeah I mean, that the, the, the thing with preppers though, is a lot of preppers, they keep going with the, the Jerry Dale right there. Which way is it this way? I don't know. This guy. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, they, he does a good job with it. Like, but like we always have that conversation, right? Like, Oh, I'm going to Jerry rig this stuff. Oh, I have all sorts of makeshift stuff. I, I do it just to learn. I, I do it just to learn uh, and to see if it actually works. Not like, a, you know, it's not a replacement for me buying a decimeter. I still want to do that, one of those old school ones. But yeah. I need to get it calibrated and all of that. But I do it just, why not? It's one hey, of those, you know, you know, it's a coffee can, a wire, and a couple, and it's some tinfoil. Well, and think about this. What if you're caught away from all of your supplies and you have to just come up with, yeah, got to MacGyver it. I mean, I want to know how to MacGyver stuff. Oh, I, I hear you. I'm just saying I don't have much. You know, you can for $28, 29 bucks on Amazon, you can get a rad triage model 50 personal radiation detector. Those are card cards? That tells you. Yeah, yeah. It's those cards that, that work and, pretty And good. you're making fun of this. I mean, that that is it's literally a, a one-time use. You're, you're chock full of nuts again. And, but, <laughs> that is, I, but you know what? I did like what you just, because you described it, right? It's a tin can 
with a wire and all that. So if you could get two can, tin cans, it's a multi-purpose tool because not only can it detect radiation, but you can hold it up to your mouth and you can talk to each other through it. Tell you what, you better hope that 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 the phone lines and all that are still working after this happens because you're going to be texting me asking me how to make a Kearney fallout meter. Yeah. You know what? You're the one who laughed at me for using my otoscope from my medical kit to look up my dog's nose. I didn't laugh at you about that. That's a good use of a. That's a proper use of a purpose-built item. You told me it was for ears, which I know. Well, I just said it was for ears, but you could use it for, I mean, you could use an ear thing for a nose thing if it works. I mean, you can use a guard, you can use a garden hose hose to drink a malt, but yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what more creative we're, we're ready to do this stuff on the fly. Absolutely. I can't wait to watch your video on the, on the Kearney do, dosimeter radiation detector thing, Dale. I'll share it on it. my website. I'll make sure oh, yeah. to let you know. I'm not going to even tell Brian about it. He's just going to talk crap. So, oh, here's another one. There's a portable pocket one that's like a little has a little counter on it for 109 bucks, but doesn't have a lot of good reviews. That little 25 dollar one is literally one time. Once that that little thing goes off, you're, it's toast. It's not going to tell you again. At least with this one, you can recharge it. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Like, hey, that one time I got dosed for to death. Uh, I you know, Like, hey, at least I get noticed the second time I get dosed for death and the third time. Well, if you have that little card, you're not. At least with that card, with that card, you're going to be like, okay, that's one time. Unless you want to spend 400 bucks and get How like How many times do you plan on getting dosed by radiation? Well, if there's radiation in the air, it could happen repeatedly. Yeah, you got a few days of of time you're doing this, so your card your tar- card goes off, and you know you're screwed because you got dosed. But no, I, I I I figure why, why you, do it again? Well, I because the intent would be that if I have all my prep set, I, I'm not going outside until I can't not go outside, and then my dosimeter because I'm out of like I literally eat my back uh, last box of uh, what were you eating there last week, Dale? Ramen? No, Macaroni just spaghetti cheese. noodles. Spaghetti noodles, yeah. Until or, I eat my uh, last thing is spaghetti. Macaroni. <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't have. I, I am busting your chops. I'm not saying you shouldn't have your dosimeter. And I'm not going outside until like I've gone through all my preps, been, preps pretty much. A few days left in, I might go outside. Because there's radiation out there. It doesn't just go away. When you're down to a can of peaches and stale saltines. That's and then, and then my detector doesn't matter. Because you're going to starve anyway. Well, no, because you're going to go outside and if there's radiation, what else are you going to do? Yeah, you're going to starve, right? Well, there's there's personal protective equipment and all that stuff you can do uh, afterwards. In, How in- long do you think you're going to need to stay in from, and, and maybe this is something that you're going to talk about in your webinar. How long do you think you're going to need to stay inside if you're, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, outside of the blast radius, but close enough for fallout? Like, what does that look like? Do you know? think it's a month but i don't remember like don't quote me on that it's been a while since i've researched it and now i'm just mm-hmm. relying on chuck i know with fallout after about 48 72 hours uh because mm-hmm. of the decay rate is so quick the the number of rads and all that really decreases that doesn't mean that you'd probably want to go outside after a few days so um it it, it there's so many different factors that go into that too that i just don't know how mm-hmm. Uh, I, or, I want to stay in like at least a week longer than they say it's safe. Like 
you know, if they say three weeks, I'd want to stay inside for a month. If they say six weeks, I'd want to stay inside eight weeks. You know, I'd want to give myself a little bit of leeway there. It's not like I'm going to be watching my watching my clock and like, okay, okay, tomorrow at midnight, I can go out. You know, I'm not going to do that. See, she doesn't trust the scientists either, Dale. (laughs) Hey, she she trusts the Kearney dude. So the the problem with that though is if you're staying in you know just that safe better safe than sorry type thing there uh-huh. the bad guys aren't going to be doing that and uh, you know some of them are probably going to get dosed up and probably die but you know there are going to be people out there that are just going to say screw it I got to go I'm going to go here and and you're going to be locked up in your basement hearing other people uh, and possibly I, I'm saying not you personally I'm saying in general uh, hear people rummaging through your crap upstairs and all that stuff so. Uh, it's yeah, nothing pretty about it. And if it's not the first few days, yeah, they might die, but it might take them a year or so. No. You know, like it's not like mm. they're going to walk outside and fall over. And didn't she start this off, Dale, with a? There was that guy who said nuclear. It wouldn't be that bad. No, it wouldn't be. Not as, not bad as bad as, as not as bad as you might think. I don't know. Jesus. I think that's pretty bad. Jesus. I was thinking, you know, when we're doing these live streams and stuff, I was worried about getting all these people in the chat just talking a bunch of crap. No, I don't even have to worry about that. I just get, <laughs> you know, my co-host on with me, and then he can just he can do all the crap talking himself. So, <laughs> uh, uh, Jammer Wolf uh, Rolf in the chat. Hey, what's going on? Uh, I know who he, he's been around for a long time. Yeah, he yes. was asking uh, when is the webinar. It is next Saturday night at seven o'clock and you have to pre-register. It's $30 because I got a paycheck for his time. Um, Everybody that registers like by midnight tomorrow gets to submit a question and we'll be sending out, um, it'll probably be about a two hour additional recording um, of Q&A. So we're going to do questions and answers in a separate video so that we have all of our time for him to just talk. Mm. And then we'll do a Q&A recording. Nice. And if you can't make it, there's you can catch it on the record. Like it's uh, not just like you have to be there those two hours. Yeah. And for everybody listening in the podcast, this gets put out two days after we do the live video. You'll still have time to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't get that what you were talking about yesterday, the opportunity to submit a question or what you were just talking about t- for tomorrow, the opportunity to submit a question. Uh, but you'll still have a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. I've got the link below in the description. I'll also put it on the show notes for the podcast. Uh, so you can find it over at the survival preppers, but uh, it should be pretty good. And it is that it, it can be kind of confusing because there is so much different stuff and you get the really smart guys talking about this, uh, the biochemists and the, the engineers and all that. And they'll go kind of like ham radio. They go down the rabbit hole with all this information that, that you're just, it, it makes your eyes gloss over. Uh, and this should be, you know, sort of tailored or, or not sort of, it is tailored more towards preppers and preparedness in general. Um, to get a good idea about just what you need to do, the important stuff you need to know about all this. And right. People will have access to the recording after, right? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. absolutely. And Chuck is a prepper. So that makes all the difference in the world right there. He's not just talking from a military standpoint. He is talking about what he's doing with his wife and his sons and how they're planning to survive. So he has both of those aspects. Very cool. Very cool. 
Well, unless you guys have anything else, I think we're going to get out of here tonight. You got any? You got any more crap to talk, Brian? You've got enough. No, no I'm, I'm worn out. That, that, right. I I can't wait to see the the chock full of nuts radiation detector though. I hope it, I I hope it does work. Well, when when all this stuff goes down and you got an extra head growing out out of the side of your neck, then you know, and I've got my little coffee can dosimeter. I'm gonna text you and tell you I told you so. I mean, you double this fun right here. <laughs> Jesus! Wow. Yeah, we'll right. laughing then, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. With that, I'm gonna get out of here. You guys can stick around if you want, but I'm out of here. <laughs> awesome. Thank Everyone so in the chat, I appreciate We appreciate y'all joining in tonight. A lot of good people in there. Uh, I'm going to have to rewatch this tomorrow and, and read through the chat because there was a lot going on. But uh, appreciate you all joining in tonight. Make sure to like, subscribe, share, all that stuff we talk about every week. Daisy, I appreciate you being on yet again. Uh, three Thank times you. now, we haven't scared you off. So. No, not yet. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. No, I have thick skin. Yeah, that's what I figured. But... Uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe me and Daisy will start doing a show and we'll just get rid of Brian Duff. <laughs> At any rate, everyone, take care and prepare. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Survival Preppers. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to join us on YouTube for our weekly live shows. For more information or to connect with Duff and Dale, visit thesurvivalpreppers.com or thebugoutlocation.com for members-only content and prepping courses. See everyone next time.